Hi, this is Angelotta. Welcome to another edition of Sadistically Speaking. This is episode 55, Beverly Hills 91101. Well, it is September 11th today, which means it is the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, which in turn means that today everyone will be giving their own personal account of where they were and how they found out about the attacks. And each story will start something like, I can't believe it is 20 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. And then they'll provide details all the way down to what underwear they were wearing that day. I've actually already read Christiane Amanpour's account of her memories of 9-11 while working for CNN. Uh, By the way, she recalls not wearing underwear, allegedly. The problem is that it's unlikely that any of these memories that you're telling are accurate. And most of them are downright falsehoods. Not lies, more like alternative facts. Research has shown over many decades that our flashbulb memories for relevant events, and these are the memories of events that you recall with the freshness that makes them seem like they happened yesterday, well, those memories are mostly inaccurate. Back in 1986, uh, we suffered from another memorable American tragedy when the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded during takeoff. And most people who were older than five years of age at that time have a vivid memory of this uh, situation. Well, a psychologist named Ulrich Neisser asked the students in his class to fill out a survey of questions about where they were and how they found out about the explosion. Seven questions about the details of finding out about the explosion. And he had them fill that out the next day, within 24 hours, in fact, of the explosion, they filled out this survey. Two and a half years later, Neisser went and found those students again and asked them, do you remember the Challenger explosion? And they answered they remembered it vividly, like it was yesterday. And so he asked them to fill out the survey again with their amazing memory of the experience. Not a single one of the 44 students completely were accurate on their account, compared to the description that they offered within 24 hours of the explosion. In fact, most of them got less than half the details correct. This is two and a half years later. And a quarter of them, 25% of them, got none of the details correct. All despite them saying, no, I am sure I remember it like it was yesterday. That was my Biden whisper. In fact, in some cases, they, they showed these students the answers, the handwritten answers to the survey that they had made two and a half years earlier. And some of them actually claimed that they must have been wrong when they wrote that down initially. I don't know what I was thinking then. I'm sure I'm right about it now. This is, experiment has been repeated many times over the years, including right after 9-11 happened. And the same conclusion appears again and again. Humans' vivid memories of major events are not accurate. And this is because our memory didn't evolve to provide us with precise recollections of specific instances. That actually serves no purposes 
being able to re- recollect an event exactly as it happened doesn't serve an evolutionary purpose. It would be nice in a courtroom, but in terms of your individual survival, it's not that important. What is important is to gather evidence over multiple experiences, and as you gather evidence, put together a general conclusion and a narrative that's useful for predicting future actions. The memory itself might not be accurate to a single time, but over time, the information you have will be more useful. That's the memory system we evolved. So, we experienced 9-11, and the more we learned about 9-11 that day, the next day, over weeks, over years, aspects of our story has changed. Each time we tell the story about 9-11 to someone, we make small changes in the story, and that becomes part of the story. In fact, we're likely to integrate some of the information and the story that the other person tells us. They say, well, this is my experience of 9-11, and that suddenly becomes part of your experience of 9-11. None of this is from malice or intentional lying. It's just how memory works. And it's a good thing in most cases. But today, on 9-11, 2021, you're going to tell someone your current 9-11 narrative And it's likely it's not true, and it may, in fact, even be completely false. But that's okay, because the narrative they tell you back is also unlikely to be true. You can tell your stories to each other. And I know, I know, I've heard it at least 100 times, because I used to teach memory in classes, and every time someone would say, I am sure my memories are correct because they're so clear and important to me. I might be special. Uh, I have a great memory, and it may be that other people, they don't remember very well, but mine, I'm pretty sure, I'm special. No, you're not. (laughs) You're not, but humans have an amazing capacity to deceive themselves, even the face of data and experiments. And I don't even have to come up with some examples, current examples to convince you of this. So, let me tell you my current 9-11 narrative. And that was, I was in Pullman, Washington as a professor at Washington State University. And by the time I started in the morning and turned on my TV, getting ready for classes, the first tower had already been hit and it actually collapsed shortly after I started watching. I watched the news as much as I could and then went to teach my morning class. I was wearing blue underwear. I told my students in the class that I was canceling it to allow them to go and watch the news and take this all in because this is going to be a major day in their life. And I ended by saying, everything changes after this. At least that is my false narrative. And what I meant by everything changes after this, if I ever actually said it, was that I was pretty sure we were going to go to war and that we would have a massive fear and anger response that wouldn't necessarily lead to us making the best decisions. And of course, it had to be the fear and anger response that the terrorists were looking to invoke. It could not have possibly been their belief that even if all the planes hit their their target, they couldn't possibly have believed it would result in the implosion of the government or the country in any meaningful way. It's the major strength of a federal republic like the United States that our government power and structure is not centralized. 
the states retain quite a bit of power, individual states, and the federal government has power spread throughout the various branches. It's not like a dictatorship where if you take out an assassination of the dictator, everything plunges into chaos. I mean, even if they hit the White House, George Bush was in Sarasota, Florida at the time. So there's no way this was an attack on the readiness of our military or a coup of any attempt. It was to make U.S. citizens angry and afraid. And we were. So we came together, started a couple of wars and hand over some of our freedoms. And I want to make it clear, I was one of those people who was all for it. Let's attack everyone. Let's make sure this doesn't happen. This is not a judgment. But here we are now on the 20th anniversary. And as we develop our narratives and we mourn those who died and we honor those who were first responders and members of the military, and we should do all of that. It also might be a good time to reflect on the outcomes of 9-11 and do what our memory system is there to do, to use subsequent information and narratives to come up with generalizations and an action plan for the future. So let's just take a little time out. I'm not even going to discuss the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and how long those lasted. I discussed it in Afghanistan, episode 53, and these are complex issues that require way more time than I'm going to devote here. But I want to just quickly, briefly mention two reactions to 9-11, the TSA and the Patriot Act. Shortly after 9-11, the Transportation Security Administration was created because we were afraid of terrorists using planes to attack us. We gave up the freedom to walk someone to their gate or to have their loved ones waiting for you the moment you step off the plane. If you were from that period, remember that, it was actually a very sweet thing. Have a long trip, first person you see off the plane is your loved one just waiting outside the door. And of course, air travel is now a huge pain in the ass with long lines at the security checkpoints and arbitrary rules about shoes and gels that make the experience miserable from start to finish. Do we ask ourselves, hmm, does the TSA actually save lives? And how many lives would it have to save to make the cost-benefit analysis here worth it? We don't ask those questions. We haven't reviewed whether the TSA is even necessary anymore. It just seems now it's going to be part of our lives. In fact, we now spend over $7.5 billion in taxes on the TSA every year. And I swear that these guys are just making up new rules regularly just to make themselves feel important. None of this makes any sense and nobody questions it. Like, hey, take off your shoes. Is the shoe thing really a thing? Well, you guys can pay us money every few years after a little survey and then you can keep your shoes on. All right, that makes sense. Here's the thing. Once you give bureaucracies new powers, it's really hard to get them back. The other example is the Patriot Act that was passed shortly after 9-11 that, in part, allowed law enforcement extra surveillance abilities so they could catch terrorists. The law, at the time, included a sunset provision, meaning that it had to go away by by the end of 2005 because it was clearly a questionable expansion of federal powers into our privacy. We would have to discuss whether we really wanted that to continue Well, have you had that discussion? Because guess what has been continuously extended and expanded since then? The Patriot Act. In our fear, we gave up some freedoms, and not surprisingly, we never regained them. So here we are. 
The estimate of peak number of people who were killed in the 9-11 attacks is 2,996. 2,996. For some perspective, the average number of people who die in the United States every day, 7,800. We've had days this year, 2021, where over 5,000 people died in a day from COVID alone. Yesterday, the day before this, 2,418 people died of COVID, close to the same number as the 9-11 deaths. This isn't to diminish 9-11. It's to suggest that maybe we can think about COVID at the same time we're thinking about 9-11. Because COVID is another time where you've had strong fear and anger responses. And it would be nice at this time in 9-11, while doing our memorials, that we reflect a little on the 9-11 response and ask ourselves if we really want to give in to the fear and give in to centralizing our government power, again, through expanded powers for mandates, etc. Given the past, it's not a hyperbole to suggest that it will be difficult to recoup this centralization of power once it's granted. And maybe that's something we also want to think about, because maybe that's what the terrorists wanted the first place in 9-11. Ooh, that was a preachy little episode of a podcast. Pass the tequila. Out!